0: And bienvenido to the Movie Mouth podcast, the recurring film and TV podcast that is currently going full gonzo in Mexico. On this week's descent into the heart of movie and TV madness, we bring you some incredible new Watch at Home releases where we'll be extending you a royal invitation as we review Netflix's The Crown Season 4, Gerard Butler's new deeply impactful Armageddon-like asteroid has fallen, Amazon Prime feature Greenland, and Mel Gibson starring as old Chris Kringle himself in Fat Man. Alongside these, we'll be discussing the latest film news and trailer breakdowns, and a balls-to-the-wall Sam Raimi-directed 90s comic book movie that isn't based on a comic book in our recurring Video Store Corner Classic Film section. Coming to you presently from the tequila-soaked madness of backcountry, this is your co-host Miles, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host... Of all the podcasts, of all the hosting providers in all the world, he dialed into mine. When I boarded the plane, he muttered to me, When I said I would never leave you, Miles, to which I replied, And you never will. But I've got a job to do too, where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. I'm going to be good at being noble. But it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. My co host, begins to cry. Now, now, I said, as I gently placed my hand under his chin and raised it so our eyes met. <clears throat> we'll always have Paris. Here's looking at you, kid.
1: Hi, Phil. <laughs> hello, <laughs> hello there. They're getting more and more extravagant, aren't they? Oh my God, yeah.
0: I fell in love with you a bit more then. It was the moment when I placed gently placed my hand under your chin, wasn't it? Yeah. In the virtual realm. <laughs> I
1: felt it. I felt it through the airwaves. In the virtual squadcast booth. <laughs> How have you been? I've been fine, yeah. Yeah. Have What's you? As good as you, living up in
0: Mexico. It's weird that we're both sat at bars in two different parts of the world, isn't it? As we, it, as we speak. Yeah. It's we good, just though. noticed that before we came on air. It is good. It is yeah. good. But Not I, I like
1: at public bars. We've got to explain. <laughs> we are in lockdown. Yeah, well, you are. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) true. Uh, Yeah. No, it's pretty
0: strange. But considering we are both sat up at bars as we speak, um, and there may be or may not be alcohol flowing, we shall see how this podcast develops. But please, dear listeners, do stick with us as the madness ensues. (laughs) Please do. What have you been watching this
1: week, Phil? Um, What have I been watching? I have carried on with um his dark materials on BBC. So I think um I think it's three episodes in now. Um so yeah, enjoying that, that's really good. And then the other thing that I watched was a Netflix series called Giri Hadji. And I'm not Bless sure you. if you Sorry? Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Um yeah, so It's a, it's one of those coined phrase terms that they're using now on Netflix, the limited series. Um, So it's eight episodes. um, And yeah, it's it's set in Tokyo and uh, across uh, both Tokyo and London. And it's about a detective from Tokyo that has to go to London to find his brother because he's been involved with the Yakuza. And he's gone to London and he's accused of a murder in London. Um, and yeah, I really, really liked it. It's, it stars, um, so the main um, policeman is called, uh, I can't remember what he's called in it, but he's, he's, he's played by Takahiro Hira. <laughs> and it also stars Kelly McDonald, who you'd probably oh, know from, oh, wow. um, yes, the Glaswegian act, uh, actress from, uh, well, she should be, uh, Boardwalk Empire, you probably know her from uh yeah so really good series so i'd say that's well worth checking out if you uh get on netflix i shall i shall that sounds giri had you giri hadji giri yeah. hadji i think it means uh i can't remember it even says it on the screen uh, when it loads up but it's, it's called like honor and shame or something like that i think it translates as okay but yeah it's really good eight episodes so- myself
0: sounds good, <laughs> good. That sounds good. We had a lot to, to watch for the review this week, but I got around. Obviously, I had a 12-hour plane flight, so I got around to finally watching uh, Mike Flanagan's uh, sequel to uh, the amazing Stanley Kubrick uh, directed The Shining with Dr. Sleep.
1: Oh, well, yeah, I've yet to see that still.
0: Yeah, finally got around to it. And obviously, Stephen King's, both, both novels by Stephen King that have been adapted. Mm -hmm. um and king was notoriously unhappy with the with the kubrick version with obviously jack nicholson in in the role um so this this kind of from what i understand is closer to the to the text itself um it stars ewan mcgregor as as dan torrance who's you know in the movie danny torrance the young kid of, of jack nicholson yeah um and also rebecca ferguson in this who is uh the, kind of the bad the bad person in it which is which is interesting the kind of main villain mm. who and she actually carries that off very well i quite enjoyed it it was fairly spooky but not overly scary but visually quite arresting um if you're interested in that film it's it's quite long about two hours two, two and a half hours long or something like that but it's perfect mm. for, a, for a for a flight but if you're interested in it you can see it on hbo max in the u.s um and i'm sure you can you can find it on other streaming platforms around the world
1: when did it come out that
0: uh it's been out for a little over a year now. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: I didn't I couldn't remember how new or old. Fairly it was. new. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, fairly new. You and McGregor's great in it. Um it's a really good cast, actually. Um some quite harrowing scenes in it, actually. But I, I really enjoyed that um getting around to watching it. I also wanted to watch something uplifting, so I I'd heard a lot of good things about the uh the, the DC animation, um Teen Titans Go T V series, and they made a movie called Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Right. Basically it's starring like a it's like a they're like a kind of um Justice League, but they're they're made up of sidekicks. So you've got like Robin in there and like the human cyborg, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um and it's it was brilliant. So they're like it's like an animation. Um uh, I was smiling the whole time through this. It was it was a really uplifting film. Um it's it's basically made for comic book movie nerds of so many references like reference after reference you kind of blink and you'd miss it there's some great musical numbers in there as well mm. um and even had a cameo from Marvel's late great patriarch Stan Lee who turns up and he's kind of like I don't care if it's a DC movie I got to get my cameo <laughs> in it's <Excelsior." laughs> and then just disappears um which I, I guess, guess was Stan one of his Lee last Lee. premieres. yeah <laughs>
1: Enough <laughs> said.
0: Um, highly recommended that. Really, really like that. And on the topic of movies, I've also been, you know, as I've been kind of chilling, lounging around, I've also been listening to a really notable audio book uh, on Audible, which is called, it's called Best Movie Year Ever by Brian Raftery. And it's about the year 1999, all the incredible films that came out and the stories behind them. So if you think about 1999, you had uh magnolia from paul thomas anderson you had office space from mike judge you had fight club from fincher sixth sense from m night shyamalan uh the blair witch project eyes wide shut um from kubrick Mention mm. him again um and the matrix you know there was just so many amazing films and talking about the industry and what was going on back then really really good um i've actually got the book and listened to the the the, the audible as well it's very very good um, so that was best movie year ever.
1: That sounds good. Recommend. Yeah, you know what? You know what else came out in 1999 that I watched this week? Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: going to tell you, Boys Don't Cry, Deep Blue Sea.
1: <laughs> with Samuel Jack. strangely wasn't in the list on in this. Book. <laughs> I thought it probably wouldn't be. It's a crocker shit, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I remember seeing that at the cinema with a mate of mine and sadly it's also one of the first dvds i ever bought. Oh, that's pretty sad. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, terrible, terrible film. All i remember about that film is Samuel L. Jackson doing a speech and then a shark jumps out and bites him in half mid sentence. Yeah,
1: mid sentence like and, and then for, this like rips him apart. Yeah, <laughs> for this really poetic speech that he's doing about getting everyone geared up about surviving. <laughs> we got to survive, people. We got to yeah. band together and the shark just comes out rips him in half. Nope. That's what he did. Samuel oh, 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 oh. Mm, Jackson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you no. know what?
0: I'll have a Sam Jackson too. <laughs> um, yeah. So this week we we have a specifically U.S. politics themed listener question in light of the 2020 U.S. presidential elections. Phil, who would you vote for? No, I'm joking. I'm kidding. We won't ever go into politics on this Please, podcast. No. Um, This question comes in from Donald Trey J. Trump from Losersville, USA. And he would like to know... (laughs) Hi, Miles and Phil. Stop the count. As I've been robbed of my presidential entitlement and my ego is currently on the floor, I've had almost two weeks away from public office, alone in the West Wing, watching movies. I've noticed that in many of these quote-unquote movies... The president appeared to be selfless, patriotic, and humble people who take the responsibility of being head of state of the United States of America as a privilege and not an opportunity for self-promotion. I'm trying to learn from them to be a better president for the last two months I have in office. The question is, who are your favorite movie presidents in film and TV, and why? (laughs) Thanks for that, Donald. Good question.
1: Good question, Donald. As I
0: said, we will never go into our political leanings on on this podcast.
1: No. I mean, he did actually email Ian Allen and ask, didn't
0: he? It was great of him, really. I mean, he didn't have much else to do, I guess, other than tweeting. No. Um, So, favourite movie and TV presidents, Phil? Do you want to start us off?
1: Yeah. And I think that we're going to have some clashes here. Well, let's let's go
0: alphabetical on surname first.
1: um,
0: Character surname.
1: Character surname. Okay. So, we're going to have... President Tom Beck. Can you name the film? I cannot. <laughs> it is. So it's Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact. Really? He's a terrible president. No, oh, he's good. He's, he's a terrible Fuck president. You. he's Morgan Freeman. He's Morgan Freeman, but
0: he's still a terrible president. <laughs> Think about it. The asteroid fucking hits. Well, they fail can't, failed can't to it. blow they it can, up.
1: Yeah, they couldn't do anything about it.
0: But they couldn't do anything. They failed to blow it up, Yeah, and they don't save all of humanity, and... That's I mean, I, I, even... Also, 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 isn't he trying to quash Tia Leone's um, story about something at the beginning? And he, like, invites her to the White House and he gets all creepy and, like, muscly about it all. Oh,
1: I don't remember.
0: And he's like... He's like... Uh, he was, she was going to uncover an affair or something. She thought it was an affair. Right. And she thought she had the big scoop. And then it turned out it was actually a, a meteor that was going to impact <laughs> with
1: her. <laughs> it's going to kill the world. <laughs>
0: See, you just chose this because it's Morgan Freeman,
1: didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I love Morgan Freeman. So do I. Uh, terrible film, though. Another one I saw at the cinema. Probably also I- came out in 1999.
0: <laughs> I was worried you were going to say um, in Gerard Butler's Angel Has Fallen, because he's in that as well as the president. He is in
1: that. Yeah, I know. No, I didn't. Not in that one. <laughs> so uh, wh-
0: why? Why? Because it's Morgan Freeman. That's it. Okay. Yep. I thought you had something interesting to no, say I think, about
1: I No, I think he would make a good president if he was really a president. Okay. He'd get his point across with a soothing, loving tone. Well, he does That's in the movie, he tells
0: everyone they're about to die, and then everyone freaks out. Yeah, and everyone's out, like, so. oh, it's all right,
1: because his mom friend really told us.
0: Uh, I don't agree with that one. I don't agree with that at all. I don't but care. um i disagree um my my next one is one that you will probably disagree with as well it's james dale president james dale
1: <laughs> i had this on my list <laughs> i don't, definitely don't disagree I, I love this president
0: so uh this is jack nicholson in tim burton's bizarre trading card and bubble gum adaptation mars attacks yeah where the martians um basically invade clearly from the title of the movie and he's kind of witless and aggressive and like uber machismo isn't he
1: yeah he's just in that
0: case he has the immortal line after like trying to basically blow them all up he has and then he tries to kind of beg you know for his life and for everything and he comes back why can't we make our differences work why can't we just work things out (laughs) little people why can't we all just get along (laughs)
1: And they're like, eh, 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 eh. Dar, dar. <laughs> yeah, no, brilliant,
0: brilliant. Love him. He's got two roles in that film as well. That's yeah, like,
1: oh, maybe. yeah, he's that, he that
0: like casino guy as well. Yeah, <laughs> odd film. Love mm. it though.
1: Mm. Um,
0: Go on. I mean, we're gonna both end up the same one, aren't we?
1: We are, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell already. Yeah. Um. So, the next one for me is President James Marshall, uh, who, of course, is Harrison Ford in Air Force One, um, the ass-kicking president uh, and loving father, family man, all-round nice guy. Yeah. Just wants to watch a game of him. Just wants to watch the game, doesn't he? On his plane. On his plane. Chill I mean, out.
0: Game on the plane. That's what they should have called the Gary film. Gary
1: Oldman fucks it all up.
0: Yeah, he does. I mean notable for the the scene when he kicks Gary Oldman off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> and brilliant. says,
1: "Get off my plane." Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Cuz it is literally his plane. I
0: will tell you what though, terrible CGI when that plane when Air Force 1 lands, crashes, it lands on water. <laughs> really bad. It doesn't bad. look great. But it it's looks quite like old, that fl- film. It looks like Flight Simulator 96. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Best what is what they did it in. <laughs> uh what year <laughs> was was that? I'm gonna look it up. What
0: I'm, I'm gonna say nineteen ninety nine. Nin-
1: it no, it was <laughs> it wasn't in ninety nine, it was ninety seven. Ninety seven was my next yeah. choice. Yeah. Get off my plane. Good president though. Bloody good president.
0: Um my next one is from TV.
1: Oh, okay.
0: President I don't Dave- have any more on my list. President, President Dave- I, know th-
1: I know the next one that you're going to say that's not in TV, so I'm going to spoil your Oh, one, really? Yeah. Oh, I- you think you do? Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, David Palmer. President David Palmer. David Palmer. Who is that? Was of course Dennis Haysbert um, in the series TV series Twenty Four starring ah, Peter Okay. He yes. was. I remember he was running for the. On the day of the presidential primary, before every episode in the first season, and then obviously finally became president, and and it was weird because this was peak George W. Bush. Right. He was it was a Fox show, but he was a, a Democratic president. He was amazing. Um, obviously, African American as well, so it was kind of playing all the playing to the the right audience, um, and it was like the most idealistic TV president ever. Um, I guess apart from Bartlett President Bartlett in the West Wing, which also gets an honourable mention, obviously neither of us have really dedicated much time to watching that yet. No. Um, but the main reason why David Palm was awesome is because he trusted he was like the only president, pretty much the only character in the whole show that actually trusted Jack Bauer to get the job done. Like whenever whatever it was, it was like, no, Jack, Jack won't let me down. He was brilliant. <laughs> My, and then they and then they killed him off. And it was really weird how they killed him off. It was just such a weird he got like shot through a window in a hotel room. Just randomly walked into a hotel room. There was no build-up, nothing, and he just got shot. And it was, it was really, really bizarre. But he was a great, he was a great um, TV president, David Palmer, President mm. Palmer, Palmer. Um, <laughs> well, my my, you have you run out? You haven't got any
1: more? No, I've got another one. But I know that hundred percent it's on the list. That... Let's finish
0: on that one then. Let's finish yeah, on that. I one. I think
1: I know who it is because. There's no way that we're going to do a list of US presidents in films, and you're not going to mention this. Uh, so I'm just going to let you do it.
0: No, you should do it. All right. <laughs> you do it. You
1: do it. So we're going to talk about presidents. Should we do it at the same time? Should we do it at the yeah. same time? Yeah. Ready? <laughs> you ready. Ready?
0: Yeah. President President Thomas, Thomas J. Whitmore. Whitmore.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we didn't see each other's list. We had no idea, but we knew that we were going to. 100% I knew
1: you were going to have it straight away. So this is uh Bill Pullman in yeah. Independence Day. Oh yes. Uh the Emmerich and Devlin disaster piece. Yeah. And you know, great. And ever since I've known you, the reason that listeners that I knew that Miles was gonna have him in this list is that ever since I've known Miles, he's been able to recite the entire <laughs> Bill Pullman <laughs> President Whitmore's speech in its entirety (laughs) 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 on demand whenever I fancy being pepped up about uh, anything. And I've actually, I've actually done it on this on this
0: podcast. You have actually, Um, yeah. So I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to save it for for another day. Yeah. But what I am going to do is is read a scene from a uh, read a read a line from a deleted scene that's on the DVD. Okay, he says which for me just reinforces it because you know obviously you've seen it not only does he give that amazing speech we will not go quietly into the night we are going to live on and from henceforth independence day will be celebrated as an international day not just a US holiday
1: anyway um but <laughs> there's a scene he got carried away there's a scene
0: where uh oh by the way he also gets in a fighter plane and then uh, whoop tee's ass as well yeah that's amazing it, yeah. i mean amazing that's a president yeah But he has a a deleted scene, and in this quote, he says, "It's a fine line between standing behind a principle and hiding behind one. You can tolerate a little compromise if you're actually managing to get something accomplished." Wow, Tom J. Whitmore.
1: What a president!
0: I would actually vote for Bill Pullman if he ran for president. They had Ronald Reagan. Why not (laughs) fucking Donald Trump? Why not? Why not Bill Pullman? (laughs) Why not Bill Pullman? Just get Bill Pullman in there. Yeah, he sorted it all out. And brilliant. every time he did a speech, he'd just do the same speech. Yeah. That's all you'd need. it be, it could be about anything. It could be yeah, about could like be funding about, for um, like hospitals or something.
1: Yeah. Or raising tax or whatever. And everyone
0: would be like, great. Raise them. Raise yeah, them. Just not. keep, I'm all, I'm all keep right speaking it. into that megaphone that's aimed at a radio receiver on the front of a Humvee.
1: <laughs> and everything will be all right.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Donald, um, thank you very much for that question. That was a, that was a really exciting one. And, uh, Good luck with your retirement. So let's jump into the news,
1: Phil. Do you want to get us started off with some of your
0: latest movie and TV news?
1: Yeah. So I read about a um, new Ryan Reynolds film, which is being made for uh, Netflix called The Adam Project. And the news item I saw was about um, Mark Ruffalo and Catherine Keener uh, joining the cast. Um and so but the film itself i don't know have you heard about this the adam project no. so it sounds really cool so it says that it's uh centers on adam reed age 13 as he continues to grieve the sudden death of his father a year earlier when one night he walks into the ga- into his garage to find a wounded a wounded pilot hiding in there uh, the mysterious pilot who is ryan reynolds turns out to be the older version of himself from the future uh, where time travel uh, is in its infancy, yeah, and then says he's risked everything to come back in time on a secret mission, and together they embark on an adventure, blah blah blah. But his father is going to be played by Mark Ruffalo, and the bad person in this is going to be played by Catherine Keener. Um, Ooh. so yeah, it sounds that sounds pretty cool. I think uh, cool. it could be interesting. So yeah, that's um,
0: it sounds like a cross between Big and Forever Young. With Mel yeah. Gibson. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, well, he's a Love pilot. That. Love that film. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so it could be interesting. I don't mind a bit of time traveling films. Um, so that was the first one I had. And then this one was just a quick one. So it's just about uh, an update. Because I think it was announced last year. Or last summer, potentially. I think that Chris Hemsworth. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is going to be playing Hulk Hogan in the Hulkamania biopic. Um, and yeah, it's just a bit of an update. Oh yeah, but... you better believe it, brother! <laughs> With my pythons! When Hulkamania is coming down! <laughs> so yeah, so Chris Hemsworth's going to play uh, Hulk Hogan, and apparently he's getting properly ripped for it.
0: And... Well, he's always properly ripped, yeah. Yeah, he apparently Chris Hemsworth? Like he's getting even now. more. Um, is he going to is he going to is he going to just spray himself red because Hulk Hogan
1: as far as i remember was always just red he wasn't so tan red, was red and shiny red shiny all the time <laughs> that's baby oil that's baby oil man. baby oil yeah i mm. mean so this is going to be about his uh sort of his rise to stardom and superstardom in the, in the 80s and 90s yeah. um so it'll be interesting to see. And again, I'm not into wrestling now, but I loved it when I was a kid in the nineties and yeah. sort of that whole era of like, you like know, 80s, 90s. warrior, Jake the Snake, and yeah. all those classic, you know, uh wrestlers. And so it's gonna be interesting because it's meant to, you know, it's gonna be featuring it's meant to be featuring matches against like Andre the Giant and Randy Savage and yeah. Roddy Piper. So it could be really interesting to see how they do all that. Um And I think it's the same team behind uh, Joker that are doing this. Mm -hmm. So Todd Phillips and Scott Silver. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Is he directing it, Todd Phillips? Uh, I believe so, yes. Um, No, the former, no, Scott Silver's directing. Okay. Um, And, yeah. So, no, sorry. (laughs) Todd Phillips is directing and Scott Silver is uh, co-writing the script. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So it could be I'm quite excited about that actually. It uh, sounds
0: yeah. sounds pretty good. He also wrote Scott Silver also wrote The Fighter with uh Wahlberg and Christian Bale, which was okay, an excellent yeah, brilliant film. Brilliant film, yeah. David O. Russell. Um and Eight Mile. So it's kind of nailed on really. He's
1: got the in, in the ring things going on there, isn't he? Yeah,
0: he's got the right ingredients for <laughs> sure. Um that sounds great. That sounds great. Um and love uh love Chris Hemsworth as well. I think he's yeah. excellent an excellent actor um Todd Phillips as well kind of interesting I I can imagine Todd Phillips is now trying to move away from the kind of comedy you know uh the kind of comedy element um and probably more into more hard-hitting you know movies like like Joker was yeah so I think that could be a good that could be a good thing for sure um certainly interested in that one
1: Mm. great great anything else from you no that's it from
0: me well, I say. Well, for for me, I picked up weirdly. I picked up on three news uh, items coming out of Warner Brothers. Right. Um, we announced last week that Warner Brothers were looking at moving Wonder Woman to uh, Wonder Woman 1984 to a streaming home streaming uh, platform, um, which has now been confirmed. So, Wonder Woman 1984 will be released back to back in cinemas. I think from from December 14th. Um, and also then streaming from uh, December 25th at right. home. So it will have a limited release in cinemas, but, you know, very, very unlikely that many places are going to be open to actually show it. Yeah. Although um, I did read that France has just, even though they're still in a, in some form of formal lockdown, they've just opened up uh, retail and cinemas. So oh, right. there is, you know, there is some hope that we'll be able to see some things in in, in, in cinema soon. Um, and then and and some other news as well coming very kind of hot on the heels of this is the Godzilla versus Kong movie. So if you remember, um, Warner Brothers kind of rebooted Godzilla and King Kong. They had uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. They had uh, the Godzilla movie as well. And then they also had King Kong, uh, uh, Kong Skull Island yep. with Tom Hiddleston. Um, they've been lining this this up for a while, trying to get a kind of shared cinematic universe, a bit like Marvel do, um, for Godzilla and King Kong, which to me I don't think really has the legs of something no. like a Marvel um kind of cinematic universe. But in this case, uh Godzilla versus Kong, uh that was funded and produced by uh Legendary Pictures, um, is it, it owns around seventy-five percent of the budget for that movie. Um, Netflix have basically asked um, whether they can acquire it from Legendary Pictures, who have said, yes, we would like to. Warner Brothers, who have 25% of an investment in, the, in it, have said no, because obviously <laughs> Warner Brothers want to put it on their HBO Max platform. Yeah. So it's a, it's at a bit of a tug of war at the moment. Um, either way, it looks like it's likely to be coming out on some form of streaming platform uh, by at least May next year. Uh, Warner Brothers actually uh, also told um, Vanity Fair that um, Godzilla vs. Kong would would be released in theaters as scheduled in May 2021. So we'll see. I think I feel like they're just playing hardball on that one. Mm. And then uh, another final piece of news, and this was around uh, Johnny Depp, um, obviously at the center of a, a very nasty and public. Um, court court case court battle with the sun newspaper in the uk and his ex-wife uh, the actress amber heard he of course lost that uh, domestic uh, domestic uh, violence um case and has subsequently been asked to leave the harry potter sequel series uh, prequel series fantastic beasts mm. um so he he's he has left that um uh, begrudgingly from the sound of things i think he f- feels still feels hard done by um, but he's been replaced, and this is great news for fans of the Hannibal TV series and the uh casino James Bond Casino Royale movie by Mads Mickelson, um, who will be stepping into the role of Grindelwald, um, in the Fantastic Beast 3 movie opposite Eddie Redmayne, and that is set to come out in July 2022. So I think a great actor. I like Mads I really like
1: Mads Mikkelsen. yeah. Um, funny enough, I one of the trailers we're going to talk about in a minute features Mads Mickelson. Let's talk about that now. Okay. Uh, what have you got for us? So, the trailer for a film called Chaos Walking. Finally. Which, <laughs> which is coming out on 22nd of January. Yep. Um, and this is from, this is directed by Doug Lyman, who is the producer for uh, The Born Identity and Edge of Tomorrow.
0: The director, um, as well,
1: he's the director too, was he? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, um, and he uh, this is starring Daisy Ridley, who we know from the new Star Wars franchise, uh, Tom Holland from Spider Man and other things, and Mads Mickelson. Um, and it looks like a really interesting concept. So it's set in a like a dystopian future, uh, where um, there's no women on earth or. On whatever world they're on, and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a sort of stream of images and words and sounds, which they call noise. Hopefully, I'll be long dead by then. <laughs> I know it's terrifying, isn't it? As a concept, um, what am I thinking right now? What am I thinking right now? <laughs> Go on, uh, that you're gonna have another beer in a minute. Very close, um, very close. Um, I'm not going to tell you yeah so the trailer it's like a ter- it's like a terrifying concept so Daisy Ridley obviously appears in the trailer and it's the first time that anyone's ever seen a woman I'm not sure how she gets there or what it's not really explained but she arrives on this planet and all the men are like well it's a woman and they can all but, they, but it, there's you're really, really hyping this I'm not going <laughs> to lie I know but there's some really <laughs> tense scenes oh, in it oh it's a woman uh, yeah. <laughs> we've
0: never seen one before but well uh, it's one of them women, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it looks good. It looks really tense and there's some you know, some really cool, like awkward moments and you know, where he's trying to, they're trying to stay down and uh hide from someone. But obviously if your thoughts could be heard and seen in the form of images and, and noises, um, and he's trying to like suppress his thoughts, you know, like fuck, I need to hide, I don't want to get caught, like Mm. It's really good. It looks like it could be really I'm gonna, interesting. I'm going to pee my pants. I'm really. I'm going to yeah, pee my pants I'll just any shit second. Myself. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the woman hurt.
0: <laughs> I thought. I, th- I thought this looked great as well. I thought it looked really good. Yeah. I, um. I, I love Doug Lyman, He's one of my one of my favorite directors. And actually, if you think about his his entire kind of discography, his his back catalogue is pretty flawless. He's very close to being. Um, I would say a, a a grade A director. I would mm. I think the only film like, and I'm talking about um, Swingers with Vince Vaughn um, and John Favreau, which was amazing. Go in 1999 yeah. we, with Katie Holmes. Yeah. Um, you know, we we mentioned Edge of Tomorrow, The Bourne Identity, and so many more. But there's there's one on there that I can think of that wasn't so great, which weirdly I actually quite liked, which was another kind of high concept um kind of sci-fi type movie a bit like Edge of Tomorrow and a bit like this, which was Jumper with Hayden Christensen.
1: Oh yeah. I did where see Where he's that.
0: he's basically in a he's in a log cabin um knitting a uh woolen jumper and uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great movie. Um yeah. But yeah, no, this looks good. I, I sat down. I watched uh, the new Justice League, the Snyder Cut trailer. Mm-hmm. So this, of course, is uh, the the kind of what, what, what word could you use for this? The the kind of exhumation of the original footage that um, that Zack Snyder um, filmed, obviously before he departed the project for personal reasons, and Joss Whedon came in and finished the the movie. Um, this looks really weird. Like, I, I, I hated the Justice League, like, with Zack Snyder or Joss Whedon I didn't it. see it,
1: if I'm honest. Yeah,
0: I, I'm, I mean, I don't remember anything about it. I just remember that they were kind of going for Avengers-type comedy in certain places that just didn't gel with yeah. some of the more dramatic scenes. And this looks like, you know, more similar to Zack Snyder's other kind of output, a bit more like Watchmen, you know, a little bit deeper um like batman versus superman and that kind of thing yeah um so it's going to be interesting to see the trailer for me didn't really get me that excited for it um it's it's kind of in black and white and it's scored by leonard cohen's hallelujah um it's all new footage and it's kind of going for that more dramatic uh angle than than the previous one uh you know there's no slow motion shots of of um of aquaman walking out of the water with like you know heavy rock music playing behind him um But um but yeah, you know, I mean whenever it whenever it comes out, it comes out and you know, obviously we'll review it, but not not totally hyped for it as the internet seems to be.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of hype around it at the moment.
0: Too much. So let's move to this week's reviews. Um, I'll get things started off, if that's good Okey with you, Phil. Okie yes, that's oh, fine. Okie um So I sat down to watch The Crown Season 4. I've been kind of talking about this for a long time. Yeah. The teaser trailer and the trailer. Shut up about it. Shut up the crowd, the bloody crowd. <laughs> oh, the royal family. The family, I do love them. Um So this is... <laughs> Peter Morgan's seminal um, British Royals Through the Ages series from Netflix, um, and it returns. So we're now rooted firmly in the 1980s, all bouffant, a baby sham. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas The Excellent season one and two uh, focused heavily on Claire Foy's Elizabeth uh, Windsor transitioning from a young girl forced to become uh, the, the head of state. Her subsequent relationship with Philip Mountbatten. And then their ascendancy and tribulations in putting uh, in putting their kind of personal uh, behind duty, um, which sounds really vaguely boring, but season one and two was excellent. Season three took more of a transitional detour um, with a whole new cast. uh, You know, obviously, whole new players coming in. It was like an instrumental break on a progressive rock album. (laughs) New styles and themes. but you just knew once you made it through the long, drawn-out minutes of introspection, melancholy, and artistic self-indulgence that another one of the band's greatest hits was about to start. The number one smash, top of the singles chart, certified platinum hit called Charles and Diana. And that time has come with The Crown season four. The first two seasons focus so heavily on the swimming pool blue eyes um, of Claire Foy's Elizabeth. The second, um, and in in the second series, obviously she kind of grew into a colder version of that character. It was hard to spend season three in the company of a now almost vacant, unempathetic, and faux smiling behind shark brown eyes QE2 with Olivia Colman stepping into the role. In season four, she becomes more of an active orchestrator, getting into tussles with Gillian Anderson enacting a spot-on, yet slightly too cliche impression of Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, and generally acting aloof and uncomfortable with any potential emotional conversation uh, that anyone in her family tries to raise with her. It's only in the hubble-bubble, toil-and-trouble meeting of the witches behind the scenes where we see Elizabeth really extolling her personality as she seeks counsel from her female confidants. Besides an episode here or there detaching from the palace and focusing on either the Iron Lady's struggles with her cabinet and country, or a solo quest through depression with Helena Bonham Carter's wickedly gin-soaked Princess Margaret, The show is now really Prince Charles and Diana's, just as Elizabeth and Philip's introduction in season one, we follow them as their relationship blossoms and ultimately crumbles. The excellent and at times uncanny Josh O'Connor returns as Charles from season three, still besotted with the married Camilla Parker Bowles, and yet having to bow to the pressure of duty that the Queen has so tightly followed since her ascendancy to the throne. As we know, that duty to Charles was long overshadowed by his true love. And we follow him as he deals with an uncomfortable, passionate, and yet disconnected relationship with Diana Spencer. Here, played by excellent newcomer Erin Corrin, her first scene as a seductive teenager playing cat and mouse with Charles is an anticlimactic affair. Having waited so long for this story to be told on this show, Um, And we get this kind of weird kind of intro scene that really does set the scene, though. Mm. It's in the preceding 10-episode arc where the quiet, shy, yet totally seduced by a fairy tale Diana is chewed up and spat out in a devastating way. We follow her from starry-eyed teenager, beloved by all in the Windsor clan, until she receives bouts of mental breakdown to bulimic adult princess who's created her own place in the hearts of the world, ultimately tipping the scales from internal familial love to irked and jealous resentment. In many scenes, all Erin Corrin has to do is look a certain way to evoke the ghost of the People's Princess. And for me, I found her performance chill-inducing and truly uncanny. This is a performance that made me feel what was being communicated to me on the screen. And at times, I had to sit for a few minutes as the credits rolled to gather myself and get ready to jump back in for another serving. And this I did, completing season four in a little over 24 hours. Reminding our listeners that everything that happens in this show is not necessarily the true story, even if it seems so true to life, uh, but it's never been in what we see when the Royals are in public that captures our imaginations, but what what might be going on behind the palatial closed doors. And it's here that real life fairy fairy tales can be written, but as we are sure to find out in season five coming to Netflix next year, there will be no happy ever after. The Crown Season 4 gets a recommendation from me, and all 10 episodes can be streamed on Netflix right now. Oh, very good. Yeah. You need to get back and watch that. You've got, four rep- you've got four seasons to watch.
1: Oh, I mean, I've watched some of the first one. I'm just not that interested. <laughs> Fat man. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather watch films about um, Mel Gibson as Santa Claus. So don't you call me Fat Man. <laughs> so uh yes. Ho Bloody Ho Miles. Another Christmas film for me to review. Uh, <laughs> that's that's two and two shows, isn't it? I know, but and it's one... not even December yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not even December I've watched two. But you know, this one is quite a lot less wholesome and definitely less child-friendly than Jingle Jangle, which I watched in the last episode. Uh, yeah, this is the new Mel Gibson dark comedy, uh, in which we see him play a rough around the edges and grumpy Chris Kringle. Um, so to sort of sum it up a bit, his, his business has been declining over the last few years, uh, due to the fact that the U S government pays his subsidy based on the number of presents he delivers. (laughs) So now in Chris's view, Kids are basically much more naughty these days than they used to be. So he gives out a lot more coal than he gives out presents, which uh, affects his subsidy money. So he needs more money. So this forces him into the difficult decision of having to take <laughs> this is insane having to take a contract from the US military uh, to have his massively efficient workforce of elves build cockpit parts for fighter jets.
0: <laughs> hang on did i just did i just have a brain aneurysm and then come back to life and now nope. you finish that sentence no that's that was the story
1: a, that was a random thing i did not expect you to say so and then uh, to topple this off to make it more complicated there's a disgruntled and spoilt brat of a 12 year old who it has to be said is played to perfection by chance hersfield uh, and he's hired an assassin to kill Chris after he receives a lump of coal in his stocking. Um, well, I guess Chris was kind of right about kids not being exactly, being exactly. absolute bastards these days. Yeah. So, so he
0: hires an assassin. He hires it's an assassin.
1: Kill he does. So if you haven't guessed from that brief overview that I've just given, it's not your regular Santa film. Um, it does, however, do... A good job of putting Santa Claus into like a real world situation, because he's not that sort of like you know jolly, you know mystical magic person. He's just like this really hard working guy that like delivers presents every year, and he, he, he like he on like his farm, yeah, and he drives like a little an old like Ford truck. Mum, blue um, collar Christmas. Yeah. And I've not seen anything like that before. So it's actually quite a cool.
0: It's believable.
1: You believe in, well, sort of, yeah. But there's (laughs) loads of, like, there's, well, there's other stuff that I'll go into in a bit. So the problem with it is, story wise, it's just a bit sterile and it, it just sort of plods along with no great impact. It's basically a film about the assassin, which I'll go into in a minute, just hunting down him and answering phone calls from the annoying little kid uh and things come to a head at the end so so it's a bit predictable in that way Mm. but i you know there are some pretty funny moments though um i liked especially the scene uh there's a scene in the in the toy factory where because the military contract had taken over so the military have sort of like surrounded santa's home and they sort of guard it and you know because he's quite his location is a highly guarded secret you know he's got like a po oh, box that he has to go to you know because otherwise people would be trying to get Send sent him letters yeah <laughs> sending <him> christmas wishes <laughs> um so yeah they take over his like facility because he's got this like underground like workshop where all the elves work uh are there are and... actual elves in there well <laughs> they're not like they are elves they wear they wear pointy shoes with bells on <laughs> <laughs> and they are short, but they're not like un. They they they're just pale. They're like pale people that wear boiler suits. <laughs> they all sort so of look weird. relatively normal. But there's this great scene where like the military have taken it over, and the captain that's like they're leading the. Uh, operation is like sitting down, and they're sort of sharing the canteen with the elves. But the canteen, like all the food in like the in the canteen, is all just like cakes and uh, sweets and <laughs> and just sugar. And they're literally like pouring yeah. sugar over their over like their candy food. canes. Or and like the pancakes. main guy's like eating like a cake, and while he's <laughs> doing it, instead of putting like you know as you'd put salt and pepper on your dinner or whatever, he's like literally pouring like jelly beans onto it, like to sort of sweeten it up even more. Uh, uh, while the military look on in like bewilderment, telling them they need some vegetables. They might look a bit less pale if they eat some vegetables, <laughs> so it's really odd. It's like this really weird, like anyway. So, yeah, um, performance wise, all of the cast I think does a really good job. It's a great cast. Mel Gibson's good in the lead, he is in most roles for me. Whatever you think of Mel Gibson, you know, outside of the film world, which I won't go into. Um, but he's still got those action chops, which I enjoyed seeing, uh, okay. lethal weapon esque, even though he dodders about a bit more, um, got an absolutely epic beard in this as well. Um, so his on-screen wife is played by British, uh, British actress, Marion Jean Baptiste. Uh, mm-hmm. she's brilliant. Um, plays the ever optimistic and grounding force that is Mrs. Kringle. Um. So as I mentioned before, Charles, uh, Chance Hurstfield, who plays the spoilt brat Billy Weenan, uh, he's awesome. He's And he does a perfect job of being an annoying spoilt brat. Makes you want to give him a right old slap. Uh, and oddly, uh, reminded me uh, of like a strange cross between a young Goody's era Corey Feldman and a Ferris Bueller-era Charlie Sheen. He's like a oh, weird wow. mix of wow. the two. Yeah. Uh, so he's great. But then the standout for me is um, Walton Goggins. Oh, I love Walton Goggins. <laughs> he's I'm amazing. a big Walton
0: Goggins fan. Yeah. Vice uh, Principals, I loved. Yeah. And uh, Hateful Eight and all those. Yeah. yeah.
1: And he plays uh, Skinny Man is his character name, uh, <laughs> the assassin. Um, he's just plain odd. And he gives some... Truly awkward encounters on screen, quite a big lift uh he's like a completely heartless stone cold killer, like literally the nicest person he he'll meet and then he'll just shoot him just for the sake of being inconvenienced by them <laughs> uh, but he also won't travel anywhere without his pet hamster, <laughs> 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 which is amazing what yeah You're um, sold yeah, You're sold <laughs> so. You know, if you want to watch uh, something a bit different this Christmas, but it won't particularly fill you with the joy of the festive season, (laughs) um, you should give Fat Man a watch. It certainly it's not going to join my list of annual Christmas must watches alongside Die Hard, Home Alone and National Lampin's Christmas Vacation. But, you know, you might feel differently. Uh, And it's available to stream now on uh, Prime Video and many other streaming sources. Sounds
0: absolutely incredible. I, I'm definitely going to watch it. So, <laughs> I think it you'll like great. it. But yeah, there's you nothing I it. like better than a a stone cold killer who's all you know uh, nice and whatever, and then just blows someone away because they're inconvenienced. Yeah, that is for me. That's comedy for me. That level of dark comedy, I absolutely love it. Yeah, that dry humor. Then you'll love it yeah it reminds me actually of the Johnny Depp character in once upon a Time in Mexico yeah Robert, Rodri- Robert Rodriguez movie when he yeah. he's eating the pork and he and he has that speech and he says you know this pork is so delicious that I'm going to walk into the back of the restaurant go straight into the galley kitchen and I'm going to blow the chef away just to balance things out <laughs> you know, and he just, he just the camera follows him and he goes in and just fucking blows the chef away and walks off yeah that kind of thing I love that yeah
1: well you should watch it then.
0: Cool. So, uh our final review this week is for Greenland or Greenland. Um the Gerard Butler starring uh, movie which reteams him with his Angel has fallen director Rick Roman And for this end, it's basically a disaster movie. It's basically we talked about Deep Impact earlier. It's 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 essentially Deep Impact in Without terms the Tidal of, Wave. Without the Tidal Wave. And in this case, um, it, it it follows uh, a family who are living in in the U.S. Um, with Gerard Butler as the father, uh, Monica Bakarin as the mother, um, and then also their young son, who also strangely enough was the young Danny Torrance in flashback scenes in in Doctor Sleep that I watched. It was really weird seeing mm. one, two films with the same young kid. In um, so this basically follows um, to this family. They they get an update to their phone saying that they have been selected for um refuge in one of the presidential bunkers and uh due to the fact that Gerald Butler is some kind of architect and I guess they're going to plan to rebuild the world once this this comet hits the hits the planet at first they think this comet's going to pass by and then they see all these military planes leaving flying off in a certain direction and then they see these comets start to strike and a huge comet hits uh hits uh Tampa in Florida leveling the city and really things kick on from there and I'm not going to go into any more spoilers beyond that that really is, happens in the first 10 minutes of the film um for its budget I thought it looked great um it had a fairly decent script if a little bit uh predictable in places it reminded me a lot of survival thriller pictures like Gravity, Bird Box or A Quiet Place where we go, we follow the characters from one stressful set piece to another, following this family mm. as they kind of struggle to to survive this end of life event on Earth. Um, and I also thought the performances were very good, um, surprisingly so. I thought this was yeah. going to be, you know, a kind of a silly movie, and actually it wasn't. Um, I thought Monica Bakarin was the standout for me, the wife of Gerald Butler. Yeah. Um, she was obviously in uh, Homeland and Firefly. And, and she, she gives some real raw emotion and pain um, in, in certain places in this film. And I, f- I found it totally believable. And even Gerard Butler, thank God, Gerard Butler, finally is in an American movie with a Scottish accent, yeah, not finally. trying to do an American accent with a Scottish accent. Yeah. Because honestly, it's it's so bad. He should just play every character. Like Mike Banning. Who's in Angel has fallen and London has fallen and all that? Let's play a game of fuck off. You go first. <laughs> um, so he's really, also really good in this, I thought. Yep. Uh, I, I sat down to, to, to this to expect Butler to be yelling, This is Sparta, before kicking the comet into the nearest star. <laughs> um, but instead what we what we got was a deeply absorbing and anxiety-inducing thriller with great performances and a tight yet slightly predictable script. So, I don't know how you were feeling, Phil, but I would recommend this. I would.
1: It w- I was tense through this. Like it it was a bit of a it's one of them ones that sort of makes you a little bit angry when you're watching it as well in the way that very believably You just wish it would work out. Well, that, but also, but very believably that everyone turns to an asshole in the end of the world situation. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And from this odd situation of COVID that we've been in and all the dickheads buying all the toilet roll up, you know, every time and this kind of like, you know, fights over toilet roll and supplies and things, you just know that would happen (laughs) depressingly. So I found it a bit depressing if I'm honest. Because yeah. it was it was it was a lot more um, it was a lot more hard hitting than I thought it was going to be. There's a, there mm. were, like you said, mm. there's some really emotional moments in it that you know we won't mm. go into because it will spoil it. But there are some really hard hitting scenes that got me quite a bit. And I think um, yeah, I, I was expecting just your your sort of cheesy disaster movie, really. And I, yeah. I love it. I love a disaster movie. I really like mm. you know uh, day after tomorrow. I I just. I don't mind, like, you know, volcano, like terrible films, but like, I like them Mm. because it's sort of, you know, to see that sort of end of the world situation, which you hope won't ever happen. Yeah. But uh and mainly on a, on a on a nerdy way I quite like it because it's quite a test for special effects for things like this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh which mm-hmm. again as you said it pulls off pretty pretty well I think, you know, for the budget. Considering
0: it 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 must be pretty low budget. Yeah,
1: I think so. You agree But I think what it does and there's some really good sort of stuff that they show. Um yeah, I think I think it was pretty decent to be honest. Yeah. Um
0: Yeah, and the- I agree. It's, it's it's interesting as well because um, Gerald Butler had this director come in and, and take over Angel Has Fallen which was the third film in the Has Fallen series. Mm. And Angel Has Fallen I don't think it was that great. It was a step up from London Has Fallen. I've not seen any of those. Pro- yeah, probably on par with Olympus Has Fallen. Right. Um, but, you know, three three star movies yeah. basically. A three star movie. Um, but Rick Roman Watt has signed on now to direct the next *Has Fallen* movie off the back of this relationship with Gerard Butler, and I hope that based on the level I think of confidence in in, in directing in this movie and the performances as well that he's, he's managed to get from his cast, I'm really hopeful that the next *Has Fallen* movie will be will be you know a really really good you know solid action thriller like like the other films should be, and certainly like this one this one is. And if as I mentioned before, if you like *Gravity*. Bird Box, a quiet place. Those kind of tense movies that just keep building and building and building. Maybe over a night or two, um, going from one set piece to the next. Then this is definitely, definitely the film for you. Highly recommended, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, much better than I thought it was going to be.
0: Hmm. Nice one. Yeah. Good stuff, and that's everywhere on Amazon Prime and also in select theaters, depending on your location. So up next, it's time for this. Video video Corner. Welcome to Video Store Corner. Phil. Yes. It was. It was your turn to rent a video for us to watch this <laughs> week, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. You walked in, I heard the little bell on the door jingle as you walked into the video store. Yeah. And uh, the smell of, you know, toffee-flavored popcorn and video rewinding hardware <laughs> filling the air. Yeah,
1: you know, the hot smell of videotape. Oh Do you yeah, remember that? Oh. Carpet filled with all sorts of horrors. <laughs> Bubble all gum, kinds of horrors. Spilt drinks. Yeah, all kinds of horrors. Yeah. Um.
0: So you walked in. I watched you peruse the aisle for what felt like two weeks since our last podcast yeah and this week you picked a movie that neither of us had seen no
1: care to tell well, i've seen about 10 minutes of it before to be, if why honest. is it with you and seeing ten minutes i know minutes of every it's film just like these films that i just see bits of on tv and think oh no i'll turn that off i'll watch a little bit but i'll, no, I'll turn it off because i want to watch it at another point yeah i don't know for me
0: i've either i've either seen something and seen it obsessively or i've never seen it right yeah because i would have watched in my youth you know i'd have watched things over yeah. and over and over and over and over again So. Get to tell our listeners what masterpiece we watched this week. <laughs> this week
1: we watched the nineteen ninety classic, <laughs> <laughs> classic absolute stone cold classic Dark Man. Um so let me go into this a little bit. So it stars uh, Liam Neeson as Peyton Westlake. Good character name there. Uh, and he is a scientist who is brutally attacked, disfigured, and left for dead by uh, Ruthless... Ruthless? <laughs> ruthless mobster. By, by Ruth and Liz. Uh, ruthless mobster. Uh, played by Robert Durant. Uh, not played by Robert Durant, that's the character name. Played by Larry Drake. <laughs> Larry
0: Drake. He's is, is very method. He just walks around disfiguring <SSSSSSS--> <he> does, people yeah. with, his, with his cigar blade.
1: Yeah. So uh, after his girlfriend, uh, she's an attorney, played by Frances uh, McDormand, runs afoul of a corrupt developer, played by Colin Friels. Uh, so after a failed treatment to cure him of his burn injuries, Westlake develops superhuman abilities which also have the unintended side effect of rendering him mentally unstable and borderline psychotic. I mean, borderline, I don't know about that. I think it's definitely psychotic. (laughs) Um, So consumed with vengeance, he decides to hunt down the men responsible for his disfigurement. So that's your sort of, you know... uh, Yeah, that's that's your synopsis there. I will find you <laughs> and I will kill you. Yeah. I mean, he does, you know, uh, it's, yeah, it's like he was practicing for that role.
0: It, yeah. That moment in taken when all of Liam Neeson's skin gets burnt off of his face and hands.
1: <laughs> in a and then, way.
0: and then he puts on a, what can I describe as a rubber mask of his own face, which only lasts for a hundred minutes. Yeah. So I think we need to explain before it
1: melts off. I think we need to... Go ahead. We need yes, to explain please. to the listeners that. So yeah, he is this uh, scientist, and he's working on a new. Um, uh, he's working on a, a discovery to Go try on, and produce a it. synthetic skin. No, what was it? What was the name of it? I can't. What was it called? I can't remember. Well, there's a scene where
0: um, they're in the lab, and he's with his lab assistant, and they create this this fake nose, don't they? Yeah. Of, of Of skin. Yeah. And uh, and he turns around and he says, Why won't the liquid skin last? (laughs) It's like, Because you're calling it liquid skin. That's (laughs) why. It keeps melting into liquid.
1: Liquid skin. But, you know, handily, it does last exactly 100 minutes. um, Exactly
0: 100 minutes.
1: Before it degrades uh,
0: after. In the dark, isn't it? In the dark, it's okay. What's the dark got to do? Why is he called Dark Man? Is it because, and bear in mind, I've seen this film. Is it because the skin lasts longer in the dark? The skin has to be made. Will in the last
1: dark? L- as long as you want in the in the dark, but when it's exposed to the light, it will degrade after a hundred minutes.
0: I think is that wasn't clear.
1: I think it's more called dark That Man was because not because he has to. He feels like he always sort of hugs the shadows, doesn't he? Because he's really upset by his disfigurement. I think it's because his skin lasts longer in the, in the dark. Well, his own skin, yeah. Only when he puts the mask on, his skin <laughs> is missing
0: <laughs> from his face. What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> Stop saying skin. So he gets all the skin burnt off his face and then he's, and off his hands, he escapes the lab, he goes back to this weird factory with all his equipment and then um, he starts to reconstruct his face and yeah. in that meantime he starts stealing other people's identities and that did him wrong, that basically injured him, Yeah, and he goes then and takes photos him of them, and then he
1: can put it in the computer in his fancy and computer, and gets revenge on them, and then yeah. print out a face. <laughs>
0: the, the computer graphics of which I will say, <laughs> the computer graphics I will say for 1990 were pretty good. actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, sort of like uh, <laughs> you know hologram, I mean? spinning hologram. It's, it's, it's just a picture, hologram, isn't it, where they Liam made Neeson slightly face. transparent. Yeah, it's like it's there's a, a revolving um,
0: 3D image of Liam Neeson's face, and it's like when you go to a shopping mall and they have that. Crystal, where you can get a picture of your it's face exactly inserted like that. into it, in it's 3D. exactly like that, <laughs> Yes.
1: Um,
0: but so this is directed by Sam Raimi, legend, which to me was surprising because I, I had no idea, I, I didn't really know anything about this movie other than the poster, no, and uh, seeing it you know in the shop that we used to work in. But other than that, when Sam Raimi's name popped up at the beginning, I was genuinely surprised, yeah, and it raised it. It it took it away from being too bizarre and too low budget and, and over the top to being a Sam Raimi it's just movie. Sam Raimi. I was like, this is the Evil Dead 2. Yeah. But it's a superhero version of that. Yeah. He's also in it. Kind Sam of a superhero Raimi. Movie. Which is cool. Yeah. And Ted Raimi as well.
1: Yeah. Uh playing uh well, he just plays like a mobster guy, didn't he? Who dies in hilarious yeah. way. That's Ted Raimi. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's hilarious. Uh yeah. <laughs> he's like bobbing up and down out of a manhole cover. Like he's like swimming in the ocean. It's really weird that. <laughs> Liam Neeson's got it. Not only has he
0: not only has he lost his fa fe- his features and blah bloody, blah, he also has um rage like super strength. Yeah. That comes from this rage of losing this thing. And he also has, feels no pain because they have to sever a nerve to stop him so screaming. Handily for the rest of his explain life, in one hospital scene, <laughs> one everything yeah, explained nicely. Yeah. Hello, Austin. It's Basil Exposition here. <laughs> Liam Neeson is is currently
1: suspended on a revolving table, and as he spins, we're going to throw a knife between his legs. And we're going to poke him in the poke him in the arm with a needle to show he can't yeah. feel the pain. That was so weird. Yeah.
0: Um... So so anyway, he finds one of these henchmen that's kind of that, that, that committed this crime against him and it's Ted Raimi, and he kind of grabs him and pops him up through a sewer hole, and is it, you don't actually see him, Liam Neeson holding him, but you just see Ted Raimi like bobbing up and down. It you? looks like, like he's rabbit, like stuck in. Like, he's
1: like a cork stuck in a like a bob. Yeah,
0: his <laughs> cars are kind of screaming over his head, and then eventually a truck. Yeah, runs straight but into it's his head, that's typical like
1: bobbing. that quick cut, and it's clearly like a prosthetic uh, like. And it's just that's typical like Sam Raimi. It's super quick cut, isn't it's it? Awesome. It's like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Close ups like when there is when there's like fights. And if you think about like um if you think about uh like Raimi movies, think about like eyeballs flying across the room and you see the close up of the eyeball like spinning in as the as it air. flies yeah. through the head. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So when when he starts having fights, fist fights with some of the bad guys, you see. Like the camera will literally cut to the fist moving through the yeah. air before it hits the guy it, in the that's face. That's what makes know, like it comic book
1: that. style, I think.
0: It does, but it's also it's also super super rainy. and I love it. I, I love that. That's why I love yeah. Evil Dead so much. If if it was honestly like I I, the, I saw that intro scene and beyond the intro scene, which the intro let scene, just, let me just <laughs> the intro scene is so incredible. So there's basically a there's a meeting of two rival kind of mobsters. In a, in a warehouse in LA and um, there's this random dude with a massive camel coat on the phone talking to someone. And I can't remember what he said, but he said something hilarious. That like was the first 30 seconds of the Well, movie he said
1: something that. like, him, tell him to go fuck himself. Him, <laughs> yeah. tell him to go fuck himself as well. It's like really weird.
0: Yeah, it's like really weird. And um, it's like over the top, isn't it? So over the. Top. And and so the the other bad guys turn up, and they have this massive uh, kind of scene in this in this warehouse where the deal goes wrong. And there's a there's a they they take all the weapons off this one group, and they they kind of stood there, and one guy just randomly knocks on his leg, and it makes a hollow noise, and he goes, "What the fuck is that?" And he's like, "It's it's a wooden leg," and and. The guy, the the guy's like, the other guy's like, did I ever tell you I once had a girlfriend with a wooden leg? No, you didn't. Yeah, I broke it off.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> so, laughed out loud to that. I did. did ashamed. I did too. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did too.
0: Because it's just randomly inappropriate yeah. and not relevant in this, in <laughs> this scene at all. all. <laughs> so anyway, um, they start talking, and then one of the one of the guys on the same team as the guy with the wooden leg pulls off his wooden leg, straight off the, the, the pant leg. Yeah. And it it has a machine gun hidden inside it and he starts blowing everyone away. And as that happens, the other gang, the guy in the camel coat gang, uh, they're basically ready and they start firing back. And then we start seeing cars flying out of shipping containers <laughs> full of machine gun-toting hen- henchmen. <laughs> it's like the 18. It's like the episode it of the 18. It is like the 18. Yeah, But it was just balls to the wall yeah and the cars like people actually die
1: ramps and flipping over and doing all it's just i was like what the fuck is this is like the first like minute of the film
0: this is the first like yeah two minutes of the film and then um and you see like the hench all the met people that are getting shot you see them like
1: flipping around (laughs)
0: like as they're getting like shot in the air and they're flying through the air like really quickly quick cut and then you see we see robert durant durant who's our main villain here firing his his little hand cannon back blowing people's heads yeah. off like sh- like blowing through car windows really and they're all like, like
1: picking them off
0: really calmly picking yeah. them off like phew, with the loudest the gun noise in the world it was over the top loud and dumb but i absolutely loved it it was i was 4 minutes in i think i texted you didn't i and i just said yeah i'm 4 minutes in and i love it <laughs> <laughs>
1: um what would you say is your best scene well there's a couple there's not a scene well, there is a scene i'm going to go one, but then i'm going to give you my we'll come we'll come to we'll come to quotes in a minute. yeah, we'll come to quotes Best lines so uh, but just as a little aside, one of my favorite bits in it, although it's not the whole scene, is when the workshop blows up. And you see, <laughs> and you see him fly out of the, the, the workshop in the most comical way I've ever seen in my life. I literally yes. had to pause the film because I was laughing so much at that little cut scene. Like it's really quick; like it blows up, and then it just cuts <laughs> to a stunt guy on fire flying through the air. That uh, it's not. I don't think it's a stunt guy. I think it's it's Liam Neeson. It's not, is it? It because be. it's
0: uh, it's on like a it's like a rear projection. It's like oh, probably yeah. If you, I, t- I, ha- I tell you how to visualize this. If any of our listeners have seen Die Hard Two, Die Harder, when Bruce Willis is in the jet on the runway yeah. and, it, and he's in the projector seat and he ejects and the plane blows up underneath it. Yeah, it's just like that. And he comes up towards the camera. Yeah, it's like it's that. Like that. Except it's Liam Neeson screaming on fire <laughs> like, <"Aah!"> <laughs> as he flies, he flies across the, air, the sky up towards the camera. Yeah, yes. the, the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. I, I laughed as well and then he just lands in a river then you just see him land yeah he just lands in the water that's Blomp. it yeah
1: uh, amazing it's not really you know it's not the whole scene but just I loved.
0: I laughed so much at that yeah. scene as well but I think so over the top I think
1: my favourite scene in the whole film is when um, it's at the fairground oh for fuck's sake that... you've literally stolen every one of my <laughs> pink elephant the elephant pink elephant the elephant <laughs> so he goes to the so later in the film he sort of because <laughs> his... his girlfriend sort of like grieves him because they they think he's got blown up and they bury yeah. his ear <laughs> what they think is his ear
0: no they bury a piece of his ear oh right I heard there okay. was nothing left yeah except his ear actually it was a small piece of his ear
1: yeah <laughs> So she thinks he's dead. And then what happens is yeah. he comes back, but she doesn't know. She is it's at the point where he's perfected the mask that he's printed out of his own face and he wears it. And it's like scarily convincing. It's just like, this looks normal. Um, yeah. And they start going out on like dates again, don't they? Uh, yeah. But he's a bit, uh, we should say this is Francis
0: McDormand. Yeah. Who's in this from, you know, Fargo and married to one of the Coen brothers and yeah. amazing actress. Yeah. She's pretty boards,
1: all that stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah, so they go to the But he's still quite unhinged He's still like his anger Oh, there's something not quite yeah, right Yeah, the anger's him, so. getting the best of him And he's on edge Because his face will only last 100 minutes Before it starts disintegrating And Yeah, she's like She says things to him like
0: Why Why can't you uh, just stay at mine just one night?
1: Why do you yeah. have to go back to the hospital? Yeah, stop looking at your watch I'm just- not healed yet <laughs> I've got appointments at the hospital I have my appointment <laughs> I told you <laughs> I'm not fully cured My rubber face is going to melt off <laughs> So anyway, he goes up to the, it's like a coconut shire type thing, isn't it? Like throw your ball at the three tins. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolute carny to the match. He, he's it? like, I'm going to win
1: you the biggest elephant. I'm going <laughs> to win you the pinkest, biggest elephant they've got. And what does he do, Miles? He throws his three shots. Yeah. Uh, he gets a bit angry while he's thrown them, doesn't he? Like he throws them with quite a bit of anger.
0: I didn't know what was going on at this yeah. point, to but be honest. There was just, on the third one. He, there was so many cuts, because it, it, it kept cutting to this guy. There was a freak show in the in the carnival, and it kept cutting to him. That's and it, this that's guy why goes, he's angry. You're a freak, you're a freak. And, and Liam Neeson thought he was talking about him. Yeah, so he gets angry, <laughs> so, and he's so,
1: thrown so. him. So it all builds up, and it all, the tension <laughs> yeah. ramps up. And then he yeah. nails the last shot, like knocks him over.
0: Nails it, and smashes it. I think they go through the tent at the back of the tent. Yeah,
1: and like the carny guy's like, no nah, you weren't behind the line you know like,
0: i want the elephant and he's like no you weren't behind the line like, why not he went
1: yeah you crossed the line he's
0: like no i didn't i'm stood right here with my girlfriend
1: <laughs> and then yeah it just ramps up and it does that like those quick cuts to each of them and it's getting closer and closer to their faces like he's getting really really fucked off isn't it yeah like, really angry i'm pretty sure
0: there was a the sound of a high-pitched whistle yeah something like that like a steaming yeah. kettle it just all. I bar- think, I'm really sure.
1: and then he just snaps doesn't he? That's it. Yeah, it, like you see this yeah. scene where he just finally snaps, and like the background behind him like explodes. Like it's like yeah. a weird dream right. thing. The background yeah. explodes and like flies towards the camera, and he goes nuts. Yeah. And he just he just snaps. He grabs the guy's hand, <laughs> and he snaps his fingers. Does he like these rubber fingers? <laughs> he, <laughs> he snaps them and takes him, and he, the guy starts screaming. And he's saying, "I want." The pink elephant. (laughs) Yeah. And then probably the best line in the film, Miles, what happens? What happens, Miles? The the guy
0: gives him the elephant and he holds it out to Frances McDormand.
1: (laughs) She's like, just leave it. And
0: she's like, no, just leave it. I want to go home. I want to go home. And he says, take the fucking elephant.
1: (laughs) With the most venom that you can ever say those words in. Take the fucking elephant. It's like, so snaps it. It's just like, yeah. oh my God, yeah. I lost it at that point. It was amazing. <laughs> Me too. That, was, that, that actually, you've actually nailed my favorite line in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Done.
0: I've just got in caps in my, on my iPad, take the fucking elephant. Yeah.
1: <laughs> take the fucking elephant. It was amazing. I mean, oh, is there any other lines that I liked? Uh, I quite like, there's a Robert Durant, like Larry Drake line. Where he says, tell us where to find the Belisarius memorandum and we shall disappear like a nightmare before the breaking day. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> oh,
0: Robert Durand was brilliant in this, was not he? Yes. I loved it. was an Yeah. Yeah. He is an asshole. A proper asshole. Gets his comeuppance, though.
1: He does Big get his time. comeuppance. Big time. And I-, I-, I thought he'd survived, actually. Well, that's the twist, isn't it, Miles? That is the twist. Yeah, after the amazing helicopter chase that
0: happens. And I'll tell you what, so that's it's a good point to to mention that. So, this movie, it seems pretty low budget and weird. It's clearly going for something akin to Tim Burton's Batman, which was a year before.
1: Yeah, I think Um, that's what it was sort of aimed at.
0: A lot of steaming drains and that kind of thing, and, you know, kind of weird neons and. comic book stylings and all that kind of thing. And obviously I think universal wanted to keep up with Warner brothers. They also brought in Danny Elfman to do the score, yeah, like, is... the, like he was for, um, for Batman as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and but really the rest of it is, is quite dark. Like, like Batman is, it has that kind of dark, you know, element with, with, with the scenes with, in particular with Jack Nicholson walking around in Batman as Joker. Yeah. um, that you know it's it's more kind of similar to that isn't it it's got that kind of vibe going on even though it has a lot of balls to the wall madness in it yeah
1: it's it is that kind of thing it's exactly that kind of film like that kind of that kind of filmography it's like there's yeah. those things where he's like muttering to himself and he just says random stuff like, oh, yeah. uh, quadrants, uh, extrapolate. <laughs> he's just like saying really weird, like
0: scientific yeah. lines. Just for the does, same. does that seem, yeah, extrapolate, extrapolate. Is that scene where he's just like, I can't remember what he's doing. I think he's like, his hand, like a bandage falls off his hand or something. He's trying to use his hand and he's like, they took my hand. They took my hand. And they took my fucking hand, <laughs> they took my hand. And you're like, I'm supposed to be like following this guy as a hero, but he's, he's just, he's
1: mental. <laughs> he's nuts. He's absolutely uh, nuts. Like- he
0: starts throwing a, throwing a drain pipe at a cat at one point. Yeah, he? and he also, <laughs> also
1: asks the cat if he should be wearing a silly hat, and he puts that like cone on his head, and he starts dancing around, going, maybe I should be wearing a silly <laughs> hat. La, 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 <laughs> like running around. <laughs> Which was also amazing. Oh my god. Uh... <laughs> That's so true but then but then but then there's this
0: then there's this amazing like a-level blockbuster helicopter chase through downtown LA yeah it's good through the like the financial district of LA and uh and 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 he's basically hanging on uh Liam Neeson's hanging on the bottom of um Robert Durant's helicopter isn't he on, on like a like steel cable like a wire or like a, hook, yeah. a wire and um and like flying around the city and Genuinely amazing, like production, amazing stunts on that stunt. That yeah. stunt,
1: I thought that at the time. I was like, "That guy has got some balls of steel hanging from mm. that helicopter that is that flying around like fr- between the buildings."
0: Yeah, between skyscrapers. Yeah,
1: it was a great stunt. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah,
0: couldn't couldn't agree more. And and also there was a lot of the camera following him not only through uh rear projection, green screen stuff, but also the camera would. Y- y- a kind of first-person viewpoint, and you'd see there was a scene where it dips down, and they're trying to like drag him into traffic, basically into oncoming traffic, yeah. off, hanging off the bottom of the helicopter, and the camera's like lifting up and going over the cars and down and over them and that kind of thing. Yeah, and it was Raimi's audition for Spider-Man. Yeah, actually, you're right. You know, because because it was it was it was basically you know he was he was obviously tri- trialing things that ten years later, nine years later, you know, he obviously got the got the spider-man gear, and that whole scene for me i was like okay this is amazing but i'm not actually surprised because it's raimi and he went and
1: and but it was also mixed with the perfect like raimi like comedy though like those scenes where he gets lowered onto the car he does like fred flintstone like feet running across the roof of the car (laughs) where he's like lowered onto it do you know what i mean what did it actually make that noise? Yeah, it was like a stupid noise while he's like his feet are like flailing on top of the car and he gets like thrown into a building and like into a meeting room in a skyscraper. And yeah. he's like, Oh, excuse me. While he gets like yeah. dragged oh, back me. out again.
0: That was that was very that was actually very Spider Man. Yeah, think. that was actually very Spider Man yeah. when you think about those. There, but there wasn't in, in the Spider Man film, it's weird within that nine year gap of directing this, releasing this, and then you know, I guess 99 2000, he started to 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 direct. Um, the, the first Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire, that he completely nullified that ex, that kind of over-the-top balls-to-the-wall raiminess, yeah. you know, in in that first Spider-Man. And and it didn't actually surface until the Doc Ock scene, the surgery scene in Spider-Man 2, yeah. um, which is just that incredible scene where, the, where he's getting surgery done on him and the tentacles come alive yeah. and they attack everybody in the yeah. room and they're like, you see them flying through the air and grabs that guy in his yeah, face like and the woman's... That's very Raimi, but other than that, he kind of reined it in for those things. And this is you know, if you're a fan of, of, of Raimi, if you're a fan of kind of slightly balls to the wall films, you know, like the Evil Dead and over the top over the top movies, then yeah. This definitely could be a could be a film for you, couldn't it?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah, as I said, it's typical Raimi. It's the Army of Darkness, Evil Dead, it's it's awesome. Um
0: I know exactly what you're thinking right now. You wanna get into some trivia yeah? Don't you? <laughs> I love, it. I
1: love the trivia. You do love the trivia. Do you want the trivia? Uh, please, so, please, please. here's some good stuff, right? Bill Paxton was almost cast as Peyton Westlake. Uh, so, that's Liam Neeson's character. Uh, and according to Paxton, he told his friend Liam Neeson about the audition. When, ne- when Neeson got the role, Paxton was so angry, he didn't speak to Neeson for months. Wow. Yeah um so sam raimi wanted bruce campbell who we know and love from the evil dead of course uh to play the lead role uh he usually
0: cameos in Raimi stuff did he cameo in he cameoed this?
1: right at the end so can you know right at the end they're talking about building scene in the, the right like literally right at the end where he's like he's doing the self dialogue thing and he's like, you, you won't be able to find me, blah blah blah. I'll be everywhere, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it cuts to a guy in the street, like walking down the street, like from behind. And The guy turns around and looks at the camera. That's Bruce <laughs> Campbell.
0: Uh, to be honest, I don't think I, I remember seeing the very end of this film, <laughs> weirdly. I don't know why. I just maybe I was sidetracked or something, but I don't remember you just that.
1: Switched off, I I switched uh, yeah. Off. So, Bruce Campbell's in it as a little cameo at the end, um, yeah, but he was meant to be in the main role, but. The, I think he would have been amazing. He would have been amazing. I
0: mean, I think, but, but Neeson did a good job of of being that kind of madcap. He did.
1: It's like he, a completely un-Neeson un- role, like, but does he's it the most quite well. un-neeson role, the role I've, I've ever got. seen. Yeah.
0: This is not Erwin Schindler. No,
1: it's weird, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, the producers were the ones that said that they didn't think Campbell could handle it, but there's no way he could have handled that. He does. He could Campbell it. He couldn't Campbell it. He couldn't Campbell it. <laughs> it. Um, yeah, so because so you talk about Batman. Because it's because he couldn't secure the rights um to Batman and another thing called The Shadow that he Sam Raimi wrote like this character for it. Um and he So he basically created his own superhero yeah, ish. But he sort of based it around the dark... of Notre Dame and the Phantom of the Opera and the Elephant Phantom Man. The he like mixed Opera. them all yeah. and made Dark Man. Yeah. Yeah. And it does feel very comic book like. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting one. Julia Roberts was almost cast as Julie Hastings. Really? uh Before she got the yeah. role in Pretty Woman, nineteen ninety. Pretty Woman. Yeah. She had to be replaced. Yeah. But also, Demi Moore wow. was considered for the role, as well as Bridget Fonda. I I think that francis McDormand was an interesting
0: casting choice. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I think Raimi is, Raimi's kind of known for his, for sticking with the cast and maybe having a less obvious, you know, mm. cast in, in place. You mentioned Bruce Campbell, you know, he's obviously fought for him in three movies and had him in every movie ever since. Yeah. He has his, his family, who obviously cameo a lot in, in his movies. Toby Maguire as Spider-Man, who is a pretty weird choice yeah. for a Peter Parker when you think yeah. about it. You know, he, he does have... You know, slightly avant-garde casting choices. Yeah. And Francis McDormand, I think, was Liam Neeson was you know a pretty good-looking guy. And then they bring in Francis McDormand, who is also good-looking, a good-looking person, but isn't you know Kim Basinger no. in 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 Batman. You know, it's 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 a different choice. Yeah. He's gone
1: for real, you know, caliber, acting. Caliber. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what else we got? <laughs> This is just a weird nerd fact. So, you know, when he's printing his own face and he scans it and he works it out and he extrapolates Mm -hmm. the quadrants. How could I forget? Uh, And the computer tells him that it's going to take 571 hours and 57 minutes to complete. Mm -hmm. Just so you know, that's 23 days, 19 hours and 57 minutes. So he spent 23 days hunting down, taking photos of the other guys and yeah. Yeah. Without his face. Yeah.
0: Uh, because that passage of time you don't really see because because we see Helen.
1: Helen, yeah. <laughs> is it Helen? <laughs> no, it's Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Helen. Miles is just I've got the candy, ran, the candy man. man.
0: <laughs> Every woman I've met since that, m- watching the, the candy man called Helen. Bell, called Helen. Yeah. yeah. Helen. I just stand in parking <laughs> lots Helen. Saying, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> That might have something to do with the, the arrest warrant. Yeah. Um Helen. So what was
1: her name? Julie. Julie, okay. So I can't even remember where I was going with it to be honest. I mean, yeah. It, was, it tries to explain what he was doing. No, I was gonna say that time.
0: because because the passage of time felt like the passage of time moved very quickly. It didn't feel like that you know, this was a long time. It felt like a week after the lab blew up yeah. to the end of the
1: movie. Yeah. It didn't feel like, you know, a few months or whatever. No. Um what I don't understand, Julie though, he was waiting. Moves on. He was waiting 571 hours, so 23 days for his own face to be printed. But in that time, he managed to take photos of all the bad guys, print their faces, and then mm. go and sort them out. No, it's because it's because the scan of his. If you remember,
0: he took the scan of his head from a a badly burnt picture. Of oh, his that's face right. He had to reconstruct the quadrant. And half of his face was yeah. The quadrant, one quadrant, two quadrants actually of his face. Had quadrant be, one and four be were. Needed to be extrapolated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, So that extrapolation took twenty-three days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Helen. Helen.
1: Helen. Not Helen. Julie.
0: (laughs) No. Helen ends up moving on, and we see her uh, fall. Basically, fall. End up falling for this smarmy businessman, who basically you clearly from the very first scene you know. Got Liam Neeson's hands and face melted off <laughs> in the in bumble- <laughs> the bubbling red. And for no reason, he's like some smarmy like New Yorker. Hey, yeah, forget he is, about yeah. it. Louis Strack like, Jr. Hey,
1: is the character Julie, name.
0: Julie, hey Julie,
1: forget about <laughs> it. Just
0: come and dance with me. They say the only thing to help you get over grief is to have a dance. Yeah, I think he was played by Stan Lee.
1: Excelsior! <laughs> well, do you know who he was nearly Excelsior. played by? <laughs> who? <laughs> and this is very interesting. He could have been mm. played by either Richard Dreyfus or James Kahn, but they both turned down the role. Either would have been brilliant. Yeah, they could have done that easy. I mean, great. I don't, I don't know. Dreyfuss Richard Dreyfus seems too a bit, though. kind, though, for
0: that. He creeps me out a bit, Dreyfus. Because do you remember when he was in that Poseidon movie, the remake of? Yeah, the Poseidon movie, the 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 uh, Wolfgang Peterson remake. Oh, I liked it, Poseidon. Yeah, <laughs> and he and he had. Um, Disaster he movie had a it. weird. He had a weird uh, diamond stud in his oh, ear. Oh, he did. <laughs> Remember, he was like seven. Don't trust him. Like, I don't. It was like like a like an English Premier League footballer would have a diamond stud, but this guy was like seventy yeah. and overweight with a weird, like with a weird tan. It just creeped me out. A bit. Well,
1: don't judge, Miles. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple more facts. Just two more facts. Okay, so. Uh, Uncredited writers in this include Joel and Ethan Cohen.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Apparently, they did some like rewrites of the script that they weren't credited for. That's weird because I mentioned them earlier. You did because didn't, didn't you say one of them's married to um, Frances McDormand? McCormand. Yeah. Yep. Do it to yep. Helen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the last one. So this is just, again, it's a nerd, it's a nerd fact. But among Durant's henchmen. Skip Dan Hicks, the one with the machine gun hidden inside his wooden leg. Skip Dan Hicks. He's the only one who survives. His fate remains unknown. That's true. Though there is a deleted scene where Darkman kills him with his own prosthetic leg. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would have loved to have seen anyway. Why
0: is it a deleted it. I know.
1: Scene?
0: Put it back in, So Don't you love it, it at it the beginning
1: in. where he grabs his... Do you three. reckon he makes him eat it? I hope so. But don't you love it at the beginning where he grabs his prosthetic leg and he has to hop on the spot while the other having yeah. a gunfight? No,
0: the, the the no the one guy there's the, one of the. Always holds his arm, holds out, his arm out, <laughs> out so he can hold onto it like a bar, like he can. Yeah. He's like hobbling as like hopping, he? hopping and then he sticks, sticks his, his arm out, out so he can steady himself. Yeah. happens a gunfight. twice. <laughs> it's brilliant. That happens twice.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely love like it. And that. that's the trivia.
0: So, would you recommend this film? Hundred
1: percent. It's like one of the Sam best films I've seen Man in my life, starring Liam Neeson watch it it's just an hour and a half of complete insanity it was completely insane it was completely
0: insane i must admit i was quite tired when i watched it so i i stopped watching it because i knew that i needed to be slightly more awake oh, and, i was the opposite i
1: watched it early in the morning drunk
0: oh i finished watching it early in the morning <laughs> with a plate of pancakes and huevos rancheros <laughs> um <laughs> which was just really unsettling brilliant um but yeah dark man sam raimi Go check it out. If you haven't seen it before, go check it out because it's absolutely insane and you get to see Liam Neeson scream at Francis McDormand, take the fucking elephant! <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Brilliant.
0: Thanks for that one, Phil. And it's my turn next oh, week. God. So on the next Movie Mouth podcast, I shall be choosing some form of movie that will hopefully... We'll watch
1: Dark Man 2, be... The Return
0: of Durant, <laughs> which actually exists. I think you're going to watch that anyway. Yeah. Without oh, a shadow of a doubt, you're going to right. watch that. There's Dark Man 3 as well. Isn't yeah, it? I think
1: so. I don't know if they've got anything to do with Sam Raimi.
0: None of which affiliated in any way with Sam Raimi I or Liam to. Neeson, of course. No. 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 I guess Liam Neeson would have moved on pretty quickly to Schindler's list <laughs> after this, wouldn't
1: he? <laughs> he turned up in out my beer. I've got to extrapolate Extrabble. my list. Quadrants. Shinder's List. <laughs> <laughs> he saw him as like, he'd be perfect in this after his performance in Darkman.
0: i tell you what, I'll tell you who I would have had in the role, thinking about it, thinking of Shinder's yeah. List. I would have had
1: Ray Fiennes. He would have been great.
0: Wouldn't he have been a great yeah, Darkman? Yeah, really good. Yeah. Because he would have mm.
1: played like, oh yeah, he would have been brilliant. Yeah. You
0: really mean, yeah, because yeah. I tell you, he was good in it, remind, it. Reminds me a bit of the Tooth Fairy from Red Dragon. Oh, yeah, you see yeah, that? yeah, Brett Ratner's uh Hannibal Lecter, so, yeah. sequel, and prequel.
1: Sort of a little bit romantic of him in, in Bruges as well
0: because he's a yes. nutter in that,
1: yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Uh,
0: remake Dark Man with Ray Fiennes, yeah, I'd watch that, and have Liam Neeson as uh Durant <laughs> cutting people's fingers off. One well, other thing I've got to say about that. Is that Durant walks around with one of those cigar cutters yeah. and he's just cutting off random he people's fingers? F- and in one scene, we see yeah, we see a we see a silken-lined tray of random fingers that he's collected. He pulls it out <laughs> and he like, stuffs like them. Women's fingers, like
1: does um, taxidermy yeah. on the fingers. Taxidermy. He loves well, not it again. It? I read a bit of tri- <laughs> trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I read a bit of trivia on that, and apparently Sam Raimi wanted like the bad guy to have like a weird like. Thing, thing like a trademark yeah. that he had, so you yeah. the finger yeah. in a box, man.
0: Like Dolph Lundgren in Universal Soldier, and he's got the, on the necklace ears, of ears. They can't hear you. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that can't see what just happened, I lifted up my necklace as if I had a necklace full he of did. ears, human ears on it. um Okay, so join us on the next Movie Mouth podcast for a slice of movie and TV related fun. But before then, please, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at MovieMouthPodcast and hit subscribe. And or give us a nice five star review on your podcast player of choice. Phil?
1: Yes?
0: Yes? There's just one last thing to say, isn't mm-hmm.
1: there? Take the fucking elephant! <laughs>
0: I will find you, and I will give you a pet fucking <laughs> elephant.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, then.